Hello and welcome to another episode of For What It's Worth, a fortnightly podcast pitting a boomer and a millennial on investment topics that are affecting them. I'm Evan Lucas, InvestMart's Chief Market Strategist. Joining me in the hot seat this week is 2GB's Steve Price. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I really want to start talking about what's going to happen over probably the next eight to, to 10 weeks as we lead into the election. And last week, I think it's sort of it's very, very clear from my point of view anyway that we're going to have a budget surplus for the first time since 2008, so basically since the GFC. Um, and clearly also they're going to start throwing money around like confetti. My question to you to sort of start off on on this whole point of view is what and where do you think they're going to direct most of that to? Well, the speculation, I think, Evan, and you'd know this as well as I do, I do that um, Scott Morrison and Josh Frydenberger looking at the numbers of the dollars coming in from particularly mining royalties, uh, it would appear that that iron ore price, which has gone up and uh, that's really benefiting them, means mm-hmm. that they're going to have a lot of uh, maybe a, a bit more money to splash around. And I would imagine it's going to come in the form of uh, tax cuts, particularly for middle-class Australians, income tax for middle-class Australians. And given that they're going to have a, a budget, uh, I think, is it second Tuesday in April, the budget? It is second of April, and, and that's when it's going to come in. I agree with you. I Just sort of a little bit further on that. I mean, the interesting thing about this, it's not hard to work out, and that's what's really sort of fascinated me about this whole thing is that the back of the envelope calculation that you always do is that for every average US dollar, above or below their stated price in MAFO or in their budget, it actually improves or declines the budget bottom line by about a quarter of a billion dollars. So they had 55 US dollars at the December number. It looks like averaging 72. So that's why there's an expecting sort of surplus of over six and a half billion on side of it. So that, that's sort of where that comes from. So yeah, I, I agree with you. My point to you and probably getting back to my whole thing around where this sits do they play the politics and start aiming at sectors that Labor has sort of jammed them on, particularly things around things like New Start, the possibility of wages? So that's obviously your tax part, the tax cut part. Or do they actually do something constructive with it and actually put it towards infrastructure or towards new programs that can actually drive the economy forward? No, I think the infrastructure spends are done. I mean, I think you uh, you only have to look at what's going on in Sydney and and in Melbourne. And they've they've told us where their infrastructure money is going. It's going uh, to the new second Sydney airport. It's going to a rail line in Melbourne out to the Melbourne airport. It's being spent on West Connects. Uh, all these state governments are swimming in federal money. So mm-hmm. they're going to go for the heartland. And they have to do that because uh, winning elections, and this is where, you know, speaking as we do every, every night to about 56 stations, winning elections is targeting marginal seats. This is going to be... Uh, I, if you look at it right now, it's going to be a slaughter for the coalition. So they've got to claw back seat by seat by seat. So they've got to say, okay, there's a seat on a margin of 6 or 7%. How do we get that seat back? How do we get our heartland voters who've drifted off to One Nation? They've even gone to the Catter Party. Uh, some of them are even contemplating, I don't know why you'd be mad enough to do this, voting for Clive Palmer. How do we get them back in the national and liberal fold and win the what is a pro, what it looks like right now an unwinnable election? Can we do it? John Howard did it once. I don't know that Scott Morrison and his team are capable. And one of the mm-hmm. reasons I don't think they're capable of pulling this off is I think in their mind, in their minds, they're already lost. I, I think that they 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 sound and feel like a government that has conceded that Bill Shorten's going to be prime minister. And when you when you've got a mindset like that. 
Evan, it's very difficult to go out and fight a six, seven, eight-week election campaign where you've got to be awake for 20 hours a day. You've got to travel through every state and every seat in the country. It's going to be very hard for them. Yeah, good point. And I look, you know, from from my point of view and, and sort of where it is, I agree with you. And that's why I, I don't think they even, if they were throwing tax cuts, the issue that I have with tax cuts is that, if, again, if you look at it purely on a political point of view, does it win votes? No, because you don't see it straight away. It's got to go through parliament, be put through, the budget's got to be done, blah, blah, blah. So that tax cut doesn't actually physically hit the average voter till at the earliest October, more likely to this time next year. So I don't think that wins on on his front. You don't see it straight up. Um, the age pension is the other part that people are talking about. I think that's the wrong part. I mean, you pointed out there that you are looking at players on the, the right-hand side of politics. You don't win elections, and you know this better than I do, Steve. You don't win elections by grabbing to the, um, the, you know, the, the right or the left. You grab the centre, um, and that's where he's lost. I agree with you. I think Scott Morrison has lost the centre. He's... He's lost people. And again, that's why, you know, do they try and take Labor on head on with doing something around New Start, which has been a big headwind politically? Do they also therefore look at sort of that generation that currently doesn't see themselves winning, which is the generation 35 and under? Now, you never go after that generation in a, in a, political sense because they don't have the same sort of vote numbers as they do. But the interesting stats from my side for you, Steve, is that for the first time, in basically living memory, the baby boomer generation will be actually a minority generation in terms of size than Gen X, Gen Y, and the rest. So they need to go at that if they're going to do it. And that's something I haven't seen them do and, and one area that sort of I think they're missing out on. I'm going to move on because I want to stay on politics. So let's go with what you've just said, stay with the idea that the coalition is a completely defeated sort of beast and go with Labor winning the federal election, which I think isn't, you know, almost, I agree with you, a complete shoe in I want to sort of come, therefore, to look at their policies and, and particularly from what this podcast looks at, which is things around the investment world, and their three main changes to that sphere being negative gearing, franking credits, and capital gains tax. Which one are you more annoyed about? Which one do you see as good, bad, indifferent? Which one do you see is actually going to hurt more people off the back of their current proposed changes? My audience are most upset about the franking credits changes, and I know that Bill Shorten is also worried about how this is going to play out in the actual election campaign. Mm-hmm. The coalition, if they're smart, will run very aggressive ads uh, about Bill Shorten putting his hand in the pockets of people who've been smart enough to fund their own retirement, and that that's what this is about. So he's quarantined pensioners, which was a clever political thing to do because if he, were, if he was seen to be robbing pensioners, then it's an assets test all over again, and we know how that ended. So mm-hmm. I think franking credits is, is the big one. Negative gearing, um, the, the coalition have also got to run a, a very strong campaign saying that uh, the, the the dropping of negative gearing and only allowing it to apply, well, it's, it is it is sunset clause, but in future they're going to have to prosecute the argument that it's going to cost more, more to rent and there's going to be less investors in the market and they're going to have a whole bunch of failed property developments. The capital gains tax, I don't think anyone yet understands that, certainly out in the, the suburbs and in rural Australia, I'm not sure they quite get what that means. And that's where the coalition, again, have got to run a very strong advertising campaign. I mean, where they're weak is they don't sell their own story very well, and they're not even that good uh, at ripping apart the negative aspects of what Bill Shorten is doing. Mm. It would appear to me that their their central tactic is going to be to paint Bill Shorten 
as a dangerous man who's going to run the country like a union leader and that we're going to have an economy that's going to slip into recession uh, and people are going to lose their jobs because of particularly the Labor Party's aggressive uh, policies on energy and renewables. I think that's the only hope the coalition have got. Uh, if I had been them, I would have started this uh, campaign a long time before, but it would appear, and I'm talking to someone who knows more about money than anyone else, <laughs> I don't think they've got enough money to spend on it, Evan. Yeah, I agree. Uh, look, the interesting thing from my point of view, uh, getting back to this whole thing, I'm actually going to pick you up on the capital gains tax part because from my point of view, that is the one part that actually makes me the most frustrated out of all of this. So getting back to the whole point, I think, the, is there going to be any changes? No, there's not. Reason for it, they've already spent the money. That's the other thing about this is that if you listen to what the Labor Party's promised and you alluded to that already with their going forward policies, it's always health and education. The next one coming in there will be energy and the money to fund all that is coming from what's going on in this space. So put that to side. The capital gains tax to me is one of the most regressive things I've seen in a long, long time. Now, I understand that they're not going to go back to you know capital gains tax of 100%. It's only 25%. But the whole idea of it was to make sure you remove indexation. And I get all that. I get that's what they're doing. But they are clearly penalizing the idea that if you want to actually start to try and subsidize your um, your income, subsidize your future earnings, etc., by investing, you're being penalized for that. And I think that in itself isn't picked up well enough. And I agree with you, you know, if you wanted to run it politically, you could. I think it also comes around the idea that again, you're actually now bringing around the idea that you can actually see risk-taking increase because if you don't have the incentive of being told, right, if you hold on to this for more than a year, only half of your capital gains is going to be taxed at your rate. It's now only going to be 25%. The incentive to therefore you know, support the Australian economy, invest in the Australian economy through listed investments, et cetera, is out the window, if you know what I mean. And that to me is actually something that I think is unfortunate. But again, my issue with this whole scenario is that they've already spent all this money. So the ability to actually, you know, retrograde something and sort of make sure that nobody gets left behind inverted commas, which is clearly what they're trying to do already, is impossible because they've spent the money. And that's my issue with this whole scenario. But we did have the famous Kevin Rudd victory over John Howard and famously Peter Garrett a week out from that election uh, told me that, uh, well, don't worry about what we say. We'll just change it when we get in. And I think that's another thing the coalition will probably pull push hard on this time that you can't trust Labor. They might say they're going to do these things. They might do them or they might not do them. They'll say anything that they uh, can say in a lead up to an election to get elected, but don't trust them. They might change everything when they get in. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, this is the whole debate around what we're going because the next thing that is coming off all of that is the scare campaign from the coalition at the moment is that we're going to fall into a recession under a Labor government with the, the big spending, the big taxing, the increase to the inverted commas living wage issue that they're currently sort of debating. And that's, again, that whole painting Bill Shorten as that union leader. I mean, for me, what has happened over the last month around the back half of 2018, the fact that we had all this talk around a per capita GDP recession, that is one of the most annoying things I've heard in a long, long time. And I'll be honest with you, as somebody that works in economics and does all that, I get it. I, I really understand the debate around it. I do. Productivity is declining, but it's not just an Australian story. That's a global story. Um, we are still growing. We're just not doing it at the same rate. So my next question for you, Steve, is – are we going to see a induced recession in the next three to five years? Consumption is under pressure. Private investment is under pressure. 
Is there anything that you see in the political sphere that could actually push it over the edge coming up? Yes, if they don't win uh, a, a big enough majority to actually govern. I mean, if we get to that point again, we've got a Labor government relying uh, on some of these flaky independents to get their get their policies through, that's going to be very difficult for them and they're going to be, have to sit on their hands. I mean, the recession, I guess, Evan, question uh, relies on factors outside our control, doesn't it? it depend, doesn't it depend what happens with Brexit, the US and China? Uh, the latter for us. I mean, l- let's be honest, that, that's that's the case. The US-China trade relations is interesting, although we have started to see the possible idea that Beijing's pushing back. They are in a more constructive phase. I mean, that's clear. Uh, you've also seen that China is starting to find ways to continue to expand, and that will happen in the near term. So, the terms of trade that Australia has is actually improving. So if you look at January, it was the best terms of trade we've seen, second best terms of trade on record. It was, what was it, $4.5 billion. It was the same size as October and November's trade balance combined and some. So that's when we had another sort of fairly poor Q4 number. The catch is we know government spending whether it's the coalition or the Labor Party, are going to continue to be fairly supportive of GDP. My question is, what is going to stimulate consumption? What is going to keep that area up? Well, wages growth. Correct. So that therefore means, do you go down this path of government intervention in wages? That's my question, right? So that that goes to you on on a political point. Is that going to actually work? I'm not sure how government can intervene. I mean, uh, we've seen, what, no wages growth for nigh on three years, uh, people are feeling the pinch because of their increasing the cost of living, particularly energy bills mm. uh, and cost of things like fuel. Uh, it's making people's lives difficult and people want a wage increase. Any government that can promise that they'll get wages moving is going to have a, a real real shot at winning this election, but I don't know either of them can honestly make that, that claim, can they? Yeah, and not only that, the other concern that comes with that, if you are forcing companies, private companies, to increase wages, there's going to be a reaction to that, and that is likely to be job losses. That That's a given. That has been seen not just in Australia but globally when you've seen intervention on that level is that if you have to all of a sudden you know, increase wages by even as much as 5%, all of a sudden you will find a scenario where there's 10 people employed, one person is going to miss out, and that ends up being a, a, some form of headwind there. The other side is that the argument also comes on productivity. It comes down to how you look also at cost of living. Cost of living is a very, very interesting debate right now because if you compare cost of living in 2019 to cost of living in 1989 and then in 1969, it is completely different. We have additional, what we would adverted commas, call essentials, which may be or maybe not considered back in 1989, being things like the internet and a TV. It definitely wasn't part of your, your idea in 1969. So that's come into it. You've also got your additional whiz-bang materials. I mean, the way to look at it, TVs are a really good example of this. A TV, flat screen TV now is almost the same price as it was 20 years ago. So it shows you that businesses have also had to amalgamate, change, and also improve themselves just to keep up. Um, And that is where this comes back to this debate. And I agree with you that how do you actually force private firms or the economy to accept higher wages, you've got to be a very, very good um, policy maker to make sure that you don't damage the overall effect. And that is that is my concern with this whole talk. And, and just the last question for you, Steve, there is that 
how does somebody like Bill Shorten going forward when he becomes prime minister, because let's be honest, it's going to happen, how does he manage to keep his left-hand side and particularly also the labour movement happy, but also not aggravate the overall investment community um, on the other side with sort of plays along this line? He's got to do a hawkey thing, get in bed with business, and he's got to encourage uh, relationships between his senior uh, right ministers with big business around Australia. He's got to stop this class warfare rhetoric, this big end of town stuff. He's got to get that out of his language, and he's got to have uh, a rethink uh, on the the situation with, with mining in this country. Um, it provides so many jobs and so much income, particularly royalties to the states, uh, that all this we won't let Adani go ahead, it's got to, he's, that's got to disappear. He's got to keep the left happy uh, with their pet topics. He's probably got to shut down Manus and, and Nauru once he gets in and bring all anyone who's left there to Australia and get over that issue uh, because the left want that to happen and they're not going to leave him alone until he does it. Uh, he's got to allow the unions, which is a dangerous play, have a little bit more, Evan, uh, power uh, over... Uh, workplace negotiations. Fair Work Australia is probably going to have to soften uh, their attitude to, to workers uh, and that'll keep the left happy and then he's got to work really hard because at the end of the day, Bill Shorten is is a child of the right. Bill Shorten's not uh, a raving lefty from the Labor Party who is out to destroy business and it never sounds uh, like he really believes it when he talks to the big end of town. This is a bloke who spent half his life when he was a union leader hanging out at Dick Pratt's house. So, you know, he's got to become honest. He's got to become more of an honest broker. He's got to be a leader for the whole country. I don't know that Shorten's got it in him, but unless he does, we're going to see a train wreck. That's all for this week. If you would like to get in contact with us, please email in at podcasts at investmart.com.au or you can find us at Twitter at investmart underscore au or my personal one is evanlucas underscore inv. For all of your investment needs, head to investmart.com.au where you'll find all of our previous episodes as well as Alan Kohler's weekend briefing and thoughts from Australia's best financial commentators all day, every day. Investmart, let's make wealth happen. Investmart.